new term, a new year. And often that comes with loads, actually loads of business, loads of change, of just thinking lots of different activities. I don't know about you, but I had loads of things at the end of, sort of just before Christmas, at the end of December, that I thought, that's January's problem. I'll think about that in January. And as a result, that means that often these first few weeks of January can feel quite full on, can't they? Um, and for me, anyway, my, it feels like my attention is sort of divided all over the place, lots of different things going on. And so today, I just wanted to try to kind of cut through all that, I suppose, and help us think, maybe, about what it means to have an undivided heart, to have our hearts kind of focused on, on one thing, which really, we want to be Jesus. So if you've got a Bible, um, then I'd love you to turn to John chapter 12, um, starting at verse 1, and I'm going to read for us now. So it's Jesus anointed at Bethany. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with them. Then Mary took a pump about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth about a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there, and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. I'll just pray as we look into this passage together. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for um, its power. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for the example that we see of Mary in this passage. And I just pray you'd really open our hearts to hear your message as we start this new year, that we would be focused on you. Amen. Amen. One of the things that I really enjoyed about Christmas this year was being able to get around a table for a special meal with friends or with family. Maybe you don't think so, but I really enjoy kind of planning what to cook and spending lots more time on preparation for it than I would kind of in a normal week or a normal weekend. And I, for me, I just think there's so much joy to be found sitting around a table with people that you care about or people that you're wanting to get to know. Um, and I, I also feel like it's still a bit awful after the last few years being able to have people in houses, especially what the last couple of Christmases felt like and we were so delighted to be able to um, see some see family and to host some friends from Ealing where we used to live and then to stay with some others over the new year it was just so special to be able to laugh and talk and just and share food together and I really hope all of you were able to have some kind of meal or time like that um, recently but also this Christmas you know there was there's I felt like there was also a real background noise of a lot of challenges, aren't there? There's, you know, underlying concerns about what the coming year is going to look like. We've got so many issues, don't we, 
to do with supply chains, energy, the extraordinary costs of living, the NHS crisis, what's happening there, climate change, kind of the ongoing war in, polit in Europe, and our own personal challenges too. I'm sure everyone has all, you know, all sorts of things going on. And when I was thinking about this passage, I felt like this meal um, was probably a bit like that too. You know, Jesus and his disciples, who he's sharing this meal with, were really good friends, weren't they? They, they spent a lot of time together. I mean, they basically lived together for about three years while Jesus was doing his ministry. And they would have known each other really well and probably shared so much fun and jokes, um, which would have been probably added lots of joy to the evening. But also, as we see in the passage, there was an underlying tension there too. Rather than a kind of economic or a climate crisis, they were probably really aware that the Jewish leaders were very unhappy with Jesus, um, and that they, maybe they knew that they were plotting to try and kill him. And just prior to this, in the previous chapter in, in John 11, we hear that Jesus had to withdraw and go to a really tiny remote village to kind of avoid the public eye and conceal himself for some time. So it was a kind of happy time, but probably not easy, and felt, they probably felt that tension too, like maybe some of us have lately. And also when I was looking, thinking about this passage, the person who really struck me actually, who I don't normally spend much time thinking about really, was Judas. In this passage, Judas shows that he has a divided heart. When Mary pours that perfume all over Jesus' feet, Judas is quite indignant, isn't he? He says, we should be giving any spare money away to those that really need it, not to waste it like this. And I kind of know what he means. I mean, it can be really hard sometimes because there's so much need out there to know where to give, how to give, or what to do with any, any money. But then actually, John, the writer, puts a very interesting kind of sentence in which actually shifts how to read what, what Judas has said. I wonder if you spotted it. It says, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. You know, poor Judas, really. I mean, he, obviously he was such a sad and unhappy man and with a lot of faults. Um, but actually, I've been in, sometimes, in a way, I feel like I can find myself doing something along those lines. You know, the reasons I give out loud for something might not necessarily be actually what's going in my heart or the real reason why I'm doing it. Uh, quite a few years ago now, I was working as quite a junior doctor in uh, another part of South London. I had a really busy job, my rotor was really full on, I was living in a flat share with a friend, I was doing a qualification in medical education, going out a lot with friends, kind of enjoying being a young person in London. I was also really involved in my church at the time. Um, I was leading kind of a connect group equivalent and doing a lot of running and training for triathlons and basically my life was really busy and full. So to keep on top of everything, um, I got really into writing to-do lists of everything. Everything I needed to get done that day, that week, that month. Um, and I just loved it. I loved kind of writing little things like post letter and hang out laundry, but also big things like finish this assignment cycle 18 miles, whatever. But then I was somewhere along the way, I can't really remember how, I started to write quiet time on the list. Um, quiet time being a kind of term for the kind of quiet space uh, in the morning or at the time of day when you look at the Bible and pray and spend time with God. 
And recently, I found some, I was doing a bit of clearing out, and I found some old lists, kind of in a box or something. And I, I could really remember that feeling, just merrily ticking that off, and feeling so pleased that I'd kind of, before I'd even hopped in the shower, that morning I had achieved something. But obviously, quite clearly, that is not the point of reading the Bible and praying. It isn't an item to just be kind of ticked off a list. It's actually about spending time with my Heavenly Father who loves me and wants to be close to me. And actually, I wasn't going to grow in my relationship at all with God um, or in my faith if I just did that for the sake of it. Judas demonstrates that um, with what he's saying that his heart is divided. He says that he wants to help the poor, but actually he wants to steal money and have more for himself. And my heart was divided too, really. I said and I thought that I wanted to grow in my faith and in my relationship with God, but actually I think what I wanted more was to get everything done and kind of define myself by what I was achieving. I wonder if anyone else can relate to that. I really had to realise what I was doing and sort of make a decision to focus my heart back on Jesus. It was around Lent that year and in my kind of connect group when we were talking about something to give up and I decided to, to stop writing quiet time on a list and just do it for the sit, to sit with God, to let him change and mould me. And that, because he's so kind, God will do that. And that's what this thing bread is all about that we mentioned before. It's, we do it because, as Ben said, reading the Bible and inviting God's spirit every day, that's how we meet God and receive his love and his encouragement and his guidance in our lives. Um, it's, yeah, not to tick a list and not to get stressed or feel like you failed if you miss a day, but just but to deepen that relationship with God. And I really encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to look at it on their website or the or take a copy at the back, I'd really encourage you to. Unlike Judas, someone who, in this story who did not have a divided heart, whose heart was undivided, was Mary. And she shows this by giving that really expensive perfume, her everything, to God. And Jesus, he really loves it. Now, you, probably, you might be listening, thinking, you listen to that in the passage, and, and thinking now, well, I don't have loads of money to give, and I certainly don't want to pour my nice new Christmas per present perfume out anywhere. But I, don't, I really don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I think he showed that there's something really beautiful or powerful uh, about someone giving all they have for God, and their whole life being focused on that, even if it can look quite ordinary. When I was at university in Nottingham, I had a friend um, who I met through church. And she was a bit older than me, she was um, a, a, a further along in me in her medical career, um, and kind of acted a bit like a mentor or a big sister. She would have me around for dinner when I needed to escape the university house held and let me use her house to kind of study and all work, revising when she was away. And she was working as a GP, but she was also really committed to young people, young adults. Um, and she used to spend several weeks of her annual leave um, in the summer leading the first aid team for a, a kind of big youth conference called Soul Survivor that used to happen. She did help the big youth on Sunday mornings as well as her job and everything else she was doing. And then a few years ago actually she moved from Nottingham to a different part of the country um, to be part of a team that were uh, setting up a church with a kind of focus on and for young people. And she always really inspired me not because she was doing anything particularly extraordinary or outrageous, she was doing her 
her job, she was going to church, but it was really clear that her life was, is focused on Jesus, just serving him, whether at work, whether in her youth ministry, and just following where he led. I'd say that her heart seemed undivided in her love and faithfulness towards God. In Psalm 86, David says, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. In one sense, I think having an undivided heart um, isn't necessarily something that comes naturally. We have to, as David sort of puts it, we need to ask God to teach us. We have to try and kind of cultivate it. It's a gift. But in another sense, I think it's the most natural response in the world when we experience Jesus' love and power and presence in our lives. You know, think of Mary from this passage. She spent um, three years following Jesus, as his spent time with him as his close friend. She'd seen him raise her brother Lazarus from the dead. Jesus had turned her mourning into dancing and taken away her pain and replaced it with joy. And the way that Jesus honored and loved her in the Gospels is wonderful. I love reading about it. And so what she was doing by pouring out this perfume was a response to that. As John writes elsewhere in one of his letters, we love because he first loved us. So for us, I think if we want to live undivided for Jesus this year and every year, we need to prioritise spending time with him and receiving that love from him. This could look in loads of different ways. It could look like reading the Bible and doing bread every day. It could look like um, being part of a weekly connect group or a prayer triplet. Um, and on some days, for us, that's why we always leave space to ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. Because we believe it's through God's scripture and spirit that our hearts are changed, which in turn affects everything else we do. Um, Something about me is I love things being really neat and tidy in all their correct places. And one of my favourite activities around the house is sorting and putting things away, which often annoys Ben a lot because he can't find something because I've allegedly put it somewhere very mysterious, um, which is not true. I know, I know where everything is. But it, I think it can be easy to box up our lives into different areas. You know, um, we can keep our work, our friends, our activities, our relationships in church all quite separately. But part of, I think, what it means to have an undivided heart is trying to live all of those different things for God. And I wonder maybe as you've listened to this, um, you're being reminded that there's something in your life that, or your daily routine, I guess, that's not helping you be close to God, that you you know, might need to give back to Jesus, an area of your life which feels off limits. Like for me, it, it, my kind of achievement quiet time, like needing to feel that I'm doing things rather than spending time with God. Maybe it's quite obvious. Or maybe it's more of a kind of general feeling you have about wanting this year to <clears throat> turn your heart more back more towards God, to give him that time to allow him to come into your heart. And you know, the amazing thing is that God is just so kind and he is so gracious. And he just longs for all of us to have this kind of close relationship with him like he did with Mary or like with my friend from Nottingham. And what I've found and seen in my life over and over again is that the more we give over, like Mary giving that um, 
very expensive perfume. The more of our life that we turn over to God, that we allow him to enter, the more actually of his abundant life that we experience. You know, Jesus says, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. And, and life to the full, and we can only have that when, when Jesus is there. When Mary pours this expensive perfume all over Jesus' feet and wipes it away with her hair, John says, the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So, you know, despite the smell of the food cooking, the smell from outside, the fact that probably things were not nearly as clean, you know, in Jesus' time as they are now, the smell of that perfume overrode everything. And everyone, I think, in that household, and probably maybe outside, would have been aware of what Mary was doing but, and, and noticed her choice to bless and to honour Jesus. When we have an undivided heart and our lives are really directed towards God, it's obvious to everyone around us in a really positive way. As Paul says in Corinthians, we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ. And as a church and a community this year, we want to be the aroma of Jesus in our, in our community, amongst our neighbours, our colleagues, our friends and family. We want the smell of Jesus to override everything else. That's why we're doing things like starting satellites. Um, that's why we're yeah, just looking for how we can, as a church, bless everyone around us. And also as a family, individually, all of us. You know, there's so many hard things going on right now. There's a lot of fear, there's a lot of anxiety, sadness. And, but as we live for Jesus and we carry his presence, we have the opportunity to bring that fragrance of joy, healing, peace, transformation, freedom, hope, love, all the wonderful things into people's lives. And we want that for you know young adults, families, tiny kids, oldest adults, the poor in our community, the wealthiest, every background and nation, country that people have moved to live around here. We that's what we want to see. We want to be able to bring that to see that hope and that transformation in this part of London. And I just think that's such an inspiring picture for this new year for 2023. But it all begins with our hearts, with having that openness to Jesus, to his presence and his spirit. And so we really want to commit to that too as a, as a community of making that space. So why don't we stand and let's open ourselves to God's spirit now.